This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is happening, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son TTRPG podcast. And we are delighted and thrilled to have Will, aka D&D Shorts, join us today. Will, we've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. So thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, man. It's such an honor to be here with you both. Uh, yeah, so cool. We, we, we actually really appreciate it, man. You're, you, you're taking the time out of your day. We know that you've just had a humongous Kickstarter, and we're not talking just about the size of, of, of the amount of backing and, and the amazing you know, uh, funding that's gone through it. We're talking about also just the content in this motherfucker. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's enormous. Crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like five Kickstarters, dude. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, we we kept adding more books as we were we were making it because we were like, this can't this can't fit in one book. Okay, it's two. Okay, now it's three. I think now now it's four. Kind of, it's like three hardbacks and a softback. Um, yeah. yeah, it's wild. Uh, it just kind of gets away from you, dude. That it's it's absolutely mad, and you know, it's been amazing to watch from from the side, see how this thing's grown, and as fans of your content, you know, it's been amazing to to kind of witness. Um, I want to ask you though, dude. You you you've ended up in this space. You you know, I, a couple of years ago, life was very different, I imagine, and now you're here. You know, doing the amazing stuff that you're doing. What what made you choose D and D like YouTube and Shorts, and what made you dive into this rabbit hole that you are now lost in Wonderland and deep down in this hole? I think he's the Lord of the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what 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 went on, and how did how did you get to this whole place in the in, in the first place? Uh, well, I was working on YouTube before D and D Shorts. Uh, I worked for a company called What Culture, um, who were kind of like a pop media, you know, like a British pop media outlet sort of similar to watch mojo like they do a lot of top 10 lists i covered a lot of comics i covered a lot of films games um it was a lot of fun uh so i kind of knew how to make a video um i got that job initially as a writer and then they heard my voice and they were like oh you can probably you know it's, it's quite an easy job being a youtuber really like you just need to talk uh, so okay you can read stuff out loud and i kind of learned to edit eventually as well um and i was always on the lookout for a, a way to approach it for myself, you know, rather than working for someone, just being totally independent, completely setting my own hours. Um, so for a long time, I knew I wanted to make a channel, but I didn't know mm. what on. I just need to find something I was passionate enough about to do. And then kind of along that journey, I started playing D&D. And then eventually I kind of, they just kind of clicked. I was like, wait, this short speed thing has just started. This was like month zero. It was brand new. Mm. And I was like, ah, I think it might have some legs. Like I'm going to try making content because it's perfect um if you don't have much time right i i don't i had a full-time job which which i really liked i didn't want to just leave it so i was like mm -hmm. i can i can set aside 20 minutes to just quickly record something on my phone um and put that on the short speed and just see and it was just about D D. um and yeah it, it really blew up on tiktok immediately and that's kind of I was like oh okay i've got to take this a bit more seriously and then youtube kind of followed i was uploading to both there was a while when i just kind of abandoned youtube altogether just like two weeks in i was like they were getting like 13 14 viewers i was like whatever i'm just gonna do, just do tiktok and then i kind of pulled it back onto the youtube shorts and that's when it picked up for some reason so um youtube's a weird place right you never know when you're gonna blow up but uh 
but yeah, that's kind of how I found my way into it. I knew I wanted to be a content creator because I love making videos. And then it was just a matter of finding something that I liked enough that I could enjoy talking about. And for me, that was D and D, um, and it still is. I still like chatting about it. And obviously, yeah. all the other stuff comes after that. Then, then you start making content for the game because you're living and breathing the game constantly. You make content, you, um, yeah. and then yeah, it snowballs. Um, and that's kind of how it happened, really. Yeah, just kind of accident, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it it sounds like there was a little bit of serendipity with timing with shorts, but also you know your background and and your grind is is obvious. You know, you're 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 on it. You take it as a profession. It is your you know it, it's pretty obvious that it's your career. You're well informed, you know, well researched, and then when you you know when you drop something, people want to watch it, which is you know I guess which is half of it. I'm wondering, yeah. like, with regard to YouTube. Um, and, and you know, look at the algorithm, and you look at long-form content versus short-form content. And how much do you do you attribute to your subscriber base coming through shorts and then being supported with your long-form stuff, or do you feel like it's like what what ratio of your subscriber base do you feel like is attributed to shorts, and then you know the long-form stuff has kind of come along with it? I, I think the initial spike. Uh, is definitely from shorts. Like I, I had a hundred thousand subscribers pretty much to the day of my six month anniversary on the platform. And that's pretty much all shorts. Like I'd done a couple of long form videos by that point. And I think now I'm known as a half and half creator. Hmm. I, and I think I, although I might be wrong about this, I think I'm the only creator who is that most people on YouTube are one or the other. Like uh, you've got like amazing channels. I mean, there really isn't a bad D and D YouTube channel of any notable size that I, that I've ever seen. Um, there's it's an incredible space, but you've got people like Ginny D, the Dungeon Dudes, D Four Deep Dive, right? Like XP Level Three. Um, they're making like long form content, even if they're quite short videos. Sometimes they're long form content. They've got this huge success, like Joe Cat, Z Bashu, all these people. And then you have like short speed creators like Steely Sam, um, Monkey DM, uh, Offbeat Outlaw to some extent. I don't know if you know all these people, but yeah, yeah, totally. um, yeah. And they rarely do you find someone who who can who sits on both. And mm -hmm. I kind of feel like that's where DD shorts the channel, it kind of has its niche, is that both sides have gone well. Because because it actually I think it can be a negative if if your audience is with you because they like your short form content, they probably don't care about your long form content because they're there for the shorts. Mm -hmm. and vice versa and the way youtube assesses whether a video is going to get promoted is it look it shows them to your core base and if no one cares about it they don't show it to anyone else they mm -hmm. just throw it out so um it, it's it's kind of hard but i i think the the way dnd shorts works is it, it's very much the same energy um i'm just basically shouting and have explosions on screen and i just you know like stupid <laughs> animations. It's just what I think is funny and, and engaging. Um, and because they're kind of similar, my long videos are just a short stretched over 10 minutes. Um, yeah. That kind of allowed it to exist in both at the same time. And these days, I think uh, the subscribers still overwhelmingly come from shorts because shorts have a broader reach. But I think um, the, the support, like financially and also just support in the community comes from people who watch the longer stuff because they have more of a relationship like with the channel, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think I think from my perspective, could I throw something else out there that I, that I think has contributed to your success from my perspective? You're just so authentic and willing to 
state an opinion, whether it's unpopular or not. And I really saw it during the Watsi whole the, that whole thing earlier on in the year. You 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 know you stood forward and you you know made some comments that in theory, if you were just thinking about your channel and thinking about, hmm, this is a D&D space, I wonder, like, is there is there going to be some consequences or some fallout from, my, you know, from like talking out? And you, it didn't appear like that, if that voice was in your ear, you shut it down and you were just like, look, I need to say what I need to say. And I, it felt like at that moment, there was also a, le a level of like, uh, additional respect for your authenticity that has probably been, you know, pretty pretty um contributive to your to your success uh i mean maybe i i don't i don't actually know if the ogl thing did any did, did any real difference for the channel generally mm. um i think people tend to assume it did because i was a big player in the debate like my voice mm. was out there but my voice was only out there because i was speaking with wizards of the coast just not um, officially, right? Like their official PR department, I have absolutely no contact with at all. Um, mm. But like, I have friends in the company, like I have friends yeah. who work there. So they, they kind of keep me abreast of what's going on. And um, so th that the only reason like my voice was out there is because it was just their voice. It was just amplified through me, okay. you know? Yeah. So may maybe, I mean, like I, I will say regarding like, is there kickback or did I worry about kickback? Like. I knew there would be like the mm. Wizards of the Coast host these like parties at conventions and stuff. And I there's zero chance I will ever be invited to any of them, like yeah. in any official capacity, because um, I think it's just way too painful for, for both sides. Like mm. if, if you worked at Wizards of the Coast and if there's one thing that the people who do bad things don't like, right, is getting called out on it. Like if, yeah. if you did something which is kind of shameful, right, like, like, you know, you try and exploit a community, you try and tear away the livelihoods of thousands of people you know it was a very it was a horrible thing to attempt um you can kind of shield yourself behind the fact that well i'm just doing it for the company look i'm employed yeah. but if you are if your name is dragged into it personally and someone says look stop you and then they name you publicly and like you need to stop it um i think that's that that's actually a very frightening thing to happen to you like terrifying yeah. i don't i don't yeah. think any of those corporate level um bullies you know people who bully the people beneath them people who you know you, you know do bad stuff in the walls of their own company i don't think for a second they ever considered they'd ever face a public ramification for that i think it caught them completely yeah. by surprise and i'm sure it was horrible like just miserable experience like i i actually have tremendous sympathy for them as human beings because i think that must have been so, so shocking and so frightening and I know um, some of them had to take time off after the OGL. You know, they they had sick leave because I'm I'm certain it was traumatic, right? Um, and you could say, look, well, they deserve it. You know, fuck them um, because they did bad things. But I, I I think yes, they did bad things. But I think that's like the most severe punishment you can have. But I think that that's what happens when you you know your eyes are bigger than their stomach. They really thought they could like gaslight the whole community and get away with it, and it failed. It blew back. Yeah. But my involvement in that is just way too way too personal for them i don't think there's ever going to be a relationship there yeah. um so you know that kind of sucks though right because i i think in a vacuum if i met a lot of people at wizards of the coast we'd get along great we're actually very similar we both make D, &D content right um mm. but uh yeah it, it ain't happening um i but <laughs> luckily i have like put like on a the, the the tier below the people who you've heard of um there's there's wonderful people who i actually get to meet and uh 
and chat to on occasion. And, you know, that's kind of the, the relationship I have to have with the company. Mm. So, yeah, well, OGL, definitely, there is no relationship there, though, anymore on an official yeah, level. Yeah. I don't think there ever will be. But dude, this is the thing as well, like Tom said, even just everything you just said there, you know, everything from, I feel like what, what's, what's an interesting space. I'm not sure if this is just a man thing or if this is like across the board, like just a public thing at the moment, but it feels like a lot of specifically male creators struggle to like express and, and communicate and look at things from multiple angles. And often I feel like, you know, you listen to some things and often it's people like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson or, you know, Ben Shapiro or, you know, you know, or, or, or all these ridiculous people that are out there saying ridiculous things all the time, you know, and I feel like just the way you, you know, the fact that you're looking at like, man, I feel sorry for these people for having to go through the mental anguish of probably, you know, to, to a degree, the ones that are public facing, you know, that have Twitter accounts that say I work for what C getting hate messages like they've never experienced before in their lives, you know, like feeling the pressure in, in ways and, you know, all the way through to the, the sad thing is most of the people that we could see from the outside are the low level people. We don't know, you yeah, know, a lot 100%. of the upper tier. So the low level people are getting in the fucking ribs while the upper tier aren't. And so I think, dude, you know, the, your perspective on it and whatnot is very refreshing. And I think it's something that very few people would kind of look at it as both sides of like, look, guys, you fucked up. A big fuck up and it was it was uh one from a disgusting standpoint a vile kind of method of doing so but in the same space like there's still people who work here and like these are these are people they have families and you know kids exactly yeah hearts, you know emotions and all this kind of shit and you know dude like in, in an interesting way tom and i like we when that whole thing went down you know we played we really thought about we were super bummed, obviously. We, we were working on our Kickstarter during that time. And, um, you know, we're super bummed to hear about everything happening because it was going to be for 5e. It was for 5e, you know. And so it, it was one of those things that was very stressful. But in the same space, you know, we, we wanted to, you know, make sure that we could, you know, move forward and there, there would be no legal ramifications. So we started going back, sorting through our stuff and trying to like, you know, see what we could align on our end. And I think, dude, you know, that time when we needed people, when, when in a weird way, it, it's it, like, I saw something the other day where people were getting mad at Brennan Lee Mulligan because he's not said anything about the Israel-Palestine stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand why we're getting mad at a, at, at a YouTuber, a dungeon master online for not telling you his, his opinion, but because people like yourself are in the public eye and are, you know, to a degree, you know, whether we call it celebrity or not, you know, you're, you're someone of influence. And I think, you know, your opinion, how you looked at it from multiple sides, how you kind of brought mm -hmm. it all together is one that's super valuable and one that is very refreshing. And as someone who is in the public, I respect you for stepping up, saying what you well, said. It's really kind of you to say, man. Like you know? I, 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 it was a, it was a unprecedented time, right? Like I, for, for what it's worth, like I, I really did my best, but my, my best absolutely will not have been enough for some people. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, you just have to try, right? When And it was a very, it was a frightening time. It was a confusing time. It's kind of, you look back on it now and stuff makes more sense because the pieces have come forward afterwards. But like at the time it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was not only just frightening, but baffling. And we had no idea why it was happening. Like who knew what? Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, I mean, you're going back to the sad point. I mean, it's the irony or I, I think it's a misconception that people who, screw over other people are somehow better for it 
like like you'd think that like this corporate like oh it's they're doing it for the company and all the fat cats are like smoking cigars and you know having a wonderful life at the expense of others but ironically in my experience um everyone loses when you treat people like shit even the people yeah. who are treating other people like shit and i think the ogl is a really good example of that where yeah. everyone who suffered who complained of abuse uh, at the company um they, obviously they had a terrible time still do uh, from from what i hear I'm not speaking for everyone, um, but, you know, it still goes on. And but the people doing that, um, they're not coming from a happy place, you know, like uh, yeah. you, you confident, happy, secure people don't treat other people that way. So it's kind of like everyone loses. Um, and it kind of comes back to being a YouTuber. It's just wonderful thing about being an independent creator is like I don't I don't have anyone to have a go at me. Like I, I'm not yeah. fearful for my family's life, like safety, you know, um, like financial stability. I don't have to take abuse like if if your boss comes in and treats you like shit one day you know can you leave for a lot of people no so uh that's why that's the best thing about being a creator right is that you are in charge of your life you know mm, yeah. um, dude i love that dude that's that's a it, it's that point yeah dude fuck dude you're some serious shit dude you know we're just in a whack time you know how many people like you said are stuck in fucking jobs because they just can't you know because and, and they're dealing with shit people who have you know just bad attitudes and you know it's 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 a shame that that kind of stuff is going on but again it's it's one of those reasons why you know people like yourselves people like us you know are, are, are diving into you know the space to try and you know like you said find a, a workplace where we can you know lead the rules you know people can receive you know good quality you know managing and you know be respected and and, and all that kind of shit dude you know like we we said from the beginning with our team you know we wanted it to be very much a thing where it's always respect, you know, we accommodate work hours based on what's going on in people's lives, you know, we, we want to like be this more flexible entity that helps the people that work for us, not this place that is, you know, using bodies to get work done at a subpar, you know, whether it's money investment or, you know, whatever, you know, we, we give what we can as a, as a very small company, you know, we try and give as, mm -hmm. as much as we can and, you know, it's it's fucking hard dude so no a lot of what you just said makes 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 a lot of sense and do you know what actually leads me to a kind of question kind of about um ryoku's guide and and everything and just this this goliath <laughs> that you fucking built um like what was your team for this like how much would you say you know there's there's 350 pages of kaiju battle stuff there's you know there's five legendary kaiju monsters there's 50 plus yokai inspired creatures elemental bender classes 12 subclasses yeah there's there's all these different things how much did you like write and how much was your like what was your team what did it look like behind the scenes for 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 all this like what was the numbers of people that put their time into this man so so if you if you go on the kickstarter page you scroll down uh i think it, i think it is towards the, the yes there's there's a bit called the team and you can see most of the people who were involved in it, um, at least up until the point of uh, release. Um, so I guess to take take your, like, in order, um, I, I wrote pretty much everything in the book in the sense that, like, um, I had a, oh, I had a hand in the design side of things. So anything that's, like, mechanically designed, so, like, stat block abilities, like, you know, like... Uh, we like you know so tori will so tori is one of our consultants and writers and daiji wrong he i call i call her tori because that's her discord name and um so sh she will write the law 
for the Dodomeki. Um, you know, it, it's essentially she is, uh, and so is Yoshinoi Frank. These people are essentially historians. They are just um, fountains of knowledge about their own uh, culture and history, and, and you know, and they they have a very personal experience with the the area that we're drawing inspiration from. So they will write all the law. And then it kind of becomes my job to to look at this and, and talk to them and say, like, okay, how do I communicate this creature into 5e? And that's where I kind of, that's that's the bulk of my stuff. So so all the kaiju fighting mechanics, the, the subclasses, with the exception of the element bender, who I worked on with Max from Loot Tavern, um, had a huge hand in that one, um, which is obviously draws a lot of inspiration from Avatar and stuff, as well as, uh, you know, the, the consultants really have to say on everything, of course, as well, like they make sure that what we're doing is authentic, because not only would it just be kind of wrong to like go into a, a culture you don't understand and just tear out stuff and see what works for you, it, it would also just be worse. It's a much better product when it's inspiring and it's something new that people haven't seen before. Um, and then you have, so that's the kind of creative team and the art direction is a huge part. That's uh, That's Mo who does all the art direction. Um, and that's like a huge job in such, I mean, you can probably see the art, but this is a beautiful yeah. book. Um, mm, it's one of my stunning. favorite things about working on this is working with so many great artists. And then there's all the artists themselves. And then, um, how many artists I think, do you have? Uh, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the exact number, but like, there are a few artists that have contributed a lot to the book. Um, mm. there is, let me just, uh, I'm going to flick through the numbers now. So there's, uh, Obviously, there's Sinlair, um, uh, uh, who did a lot of the stuff. He did the like designs for the deluxe covers and things like that. There's Ongjin, who did loads of stuff. Uh, uh, um, you can find all these people on uh, Instagram. There's Fandat as well, who did loads of great stuff. So we, we probably have like a core four or five. And then a lot of people we bring on for specialist areas. You know, like we have a calligraphy, like an artist specifically for the calligraphy from Japan that Yo found. Yeah. for example um and uh i think the really unsung heroes of products like this though are the people who they don't contribute directly to the well they are contributing to the book but they're not people who are like creating for the book they're people who pr the proofreaders and the people who do the community outreach and there's like three or four people who who kind of do that and they are um just incredible and and you can you you can see Kickstarters who don't have such a great community support team, they just fall apart because we're dealing with like thirty thousand people, uh, who yeah. all have questions, who have all taken a chance, they've all supported an independent creator, um, and, and you know like uh, I mean I you know I I I, st I still think thirty dollars is a huge amount of money for a D and D book. No one needs a D and D book. If you're dropping thirty dollars on it, you deserve to have every question. Like you know you deserve that support um so so the community of people who do that are god tier like li literally could not function without them and then like video editors uh voice actors you know um i think i think there must be like 30 30 people in the team um yeah. just for this one book if you're counting everybody um Incredible, dude. how many of those are would you say are like internal core D, &D uh, whatever your entity is D, D shorts like you know, uh day -day so, team. yeah so loot loot tavern have published books before and i'm publishing this one with them so they're handling mm. most of the fulfillment and backer kit side of things mm. and they have like a core team but i couldn't tell you how many people are in that but a lot of those people are working on ryokos too um in terms of me like i i didn't bring anyone with me as such um okay but a lot of people are just mo like consultants they're always paid by the hour um 
like you you don't have a consultant on full time or maybe on, unless you are publishing like a book every month you know you and even then you need to get consultants specific so we're doing prostheses right so we have um uh, you know like Sekiro inspired prostheses and of course when you're dealing with anything like a like a prosthetic you need someone who is an expert on disability representation and the the correct language and making sure that you know you make something in a way that's inclusive and that's not just that doesn't make sense um so you need to find an expert on that um and we found someone who works uh at paizo we found rue who actually works for paizo who is a, a disability consultant as well so that, that's kind of how you have to do it so that's why the team kind of builds out generally the broader you go the more people you have to get on to make sure you're doing it the right way you know yeah um, yeah yeah and yeah it's so super super interesting like and and just from a because we just did our kickstarter as well and to different degrees we have a core team that are on payroll for us we also have you know to different degrees we have partners that are partnering with us because we have had reciprocal support with each other in the community we then have gone taken it to a further step of like actual like a business partnership of like look you know this is this is the deal um we have this Kickstarter, you could contribute this way, and this is what you can get out of it, whether it's upfront, you know, kind of like a consultant cost to artists or to, you know, writing partners or that type of thing. And then we have like back-end deals as well with people, which is like, you can contribute this amount or this aspect of support of advertising or promo, whatever, and you get a back-end cut of the deal. Were you doing similar aspects of all of that as well? Or were you just kind of like upfront paying everyone upfront and then on the back-end, um reaping the rewards for it pretty pretty much paying everyone up front with the exception of um people whose work are ongoing like they get paid like every month and and uh i don't know when this is going live but i i'm sure they know it's coming anyway but like th there's obviously like a pretty sizable bonus coming out to everyone before christmas which is really fun um nice. as well we uh, but yeah we can we can hold this till uh, you know till it's the right time if you'd like oh yeah no no yeah it's, uh, it should be like it really should be sort of like by friday they'll they'll cool. have that cool, cool. um which is a really exciting moment you know and the, the project did well so people are getting a lot um and uh the i suppose yeah i mean with regard to creators almost all of them i paid up front or i paid during the run um because yeah. that's obviously a huge part too i didn't even mention the the creator support but like the community support like when you when I I message someone like Dungeon Dad and like hey can can you do an extra video, you know video because the project's going quite well so we got a bit more money um the willingness to just be like hell yeah bro let's do it um mm. XP level three Dungeon Dad uh just so many creators I'm I'm like uh, man shorts like everybody pretty much who could pointy hat that did amazing stuff for the projects as well um but yeah you got to pay all those people up for that that's kind of the biggest gateway these days to a Kickstarter actually. Is it's back in 2019 when Matt Colville did his first one. I don't think anyone had any idea of how big Kickstart D and D Kickstarters could be. Mm. So, um, you you know, like th there wasn't this expectation that you would need, you know, six figures before you even make anything. You but you yeah. like to make a to make a real like huge Kickstarter, um, yeah. you kind of need to be pumping that much money in before you even start or at least that's how i feel about it because i want to deliver it quickly which means you kind of need to have it mostly done before you even start otherwise if, if you don't have much and then you get that much support and then you're like oh my god i've got to make a whole book and deliver all these stretch goals that's when you have kickstarters taking like three or four years to deliver which the community can be very understanding but i think really you what i wanted to deliver as quickly as possible
which is yeah. I think it goes out in April is when the uh, the final PDF is in people's metaphorical hands. Yeah, yeah. It's, we we noticed that as well. Like it looked like during the Kickstarter. I'm not sure if it was directly aligned with the Kickstarter, but it seemed like the timelines were concurrent with your promo video of having all the shit in front of you and being like, okay, here's this and here's this, here's the cards, here's the dice, here's the book, here's the other book, here's the, the box set, you know, all this stuff. So you had, you had like demos of that, like prototypes of all that stuff to lead into it or had yeah. you actually gone through your, your print runs and all that, that, that no, stuff? Those, coming those, those were prototypes. Um, okay. So they are not, if you, if uh, they're, yeah, I could go find them, but I'm not sure where they are. They don't sound there. But um, if you open them up, it's like half a book and then half yeah, blank yeah. pages. Well, actually, yeah. it's, it's, it's half a book and then half a book repeated. So you can open it up. But like when you get to, there's areas of the book that were like blocked out for where stretch goals might go. So obviously those, it's just repeated. It's all the races and subclasses repeated again. Um, just to kind of show that we we were serious, right? That like the book was not only like going to be real, but it was like mostly done. It was yeah. like the 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 Ryoko's core book was ninety percent done, uh, and the Wrath of the Kaiju was was twenty percent done because we'd only written one adventure, but all of the legwork was done. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that was a really I think that that video like was quite good. I, it, it just kind of showed that it was real to people, mm, you know, because yeah. it because it can feel a little unbelievable if you're promising. I mean, I think in total, <laughs> Ryoko's will will be about like uh, maybe 700, maybe 750 pages of content. That's a lot oh. to, you know, to be like, hey, you know, like people are going to be like, really? You know, so yeah. I think actually having it to show people and show that the cards look great and show that the uh, the dice look great in real life mm. um, was, yeah, it was kind of useful. Um, we, we, we were of the same notion with our Kickstarter. Like we had seen Kickstarters that, you know, would take years. upwards of a year or more just to get, the, you know, the PDF. And then you got to do the print run and all this other, you know, mm. all this stuff. And we were, you know, there's this, like mon- monkeys in the trenches right now, as, as, as far as I understand it with, with what's going on with his Kickstarter. Yeah. It's like, Oh, really? With Steinhards? Is it just taking longer than he thought? Yeah, yeah. As far as as far as I understand, I like I, I didn't actually back the project just because I don't often do much Eldritch stuff. But um, from a friend of mine who's backed it, he's like, "Man, shit's taking a while," and he's like, uh, "It's it's it's you know it's it's becoming a bit of a thing." And so, you know, I think um, this instant gratification. Yeah, thing the instant gratification things. I I that. think that's it. I, I mean, I got to say, Monkey DM is a wonderful guy. Like I've met oh, him, I've chatted to him. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um. But doesn't matter. Like, like he, his Kickstarter was the biggest of all time at the time. It was. Yeah. It was. In fact, it held it for over a year. Ryoko's was what beat that. Um, that would have blindsided him. And and what people, I think people kind of like want it both ways. Is like they they look at Wizards of the Coast books who are kind of pumped out like three or four a year. But um, at least I don't feel that they're worth the money. I think that they are they're released now even with mistakes in them. You know, mm-hmm. um, like they're having day one erratas. You know, and stuff like that. And it's like uh. You, or there's these like incredible value, beautifully made, passionately made Kickstarters. But yeah, they take a long time. Um, and no matter how, no matter how confident you are in a project, I don't know anyone outside of maybe Critical Role or Dimension Twenty who could just drop one and a half million dollars on a Kickstarter, like on a project before the Kickstarter, so they can say buy it and then here it is tomorrow. You know, like it just just can't be done. And, and I think that's kind of a um, a. a just what people need to understand and we we do all we can to alleviate that by making the process as quick as possible but it's with a community driven project it's always going to be slower 
than like a huge yeah. business who are just, you know, they make it and they release it and you get what you get. Yeah. Um, and to them, it doesn't matter how much stock they get. They're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll take it in and then whatever we have to give out, we'll give out for the Kickstarter. The rest we'll just put on shelves for. Yeah. Know, yeah, exactly. It'll just go like, over, over yeah. time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's a bit different, you know, when, you know, I, I know for us, you know, we're, we're, we're in a place where, you know, we're, we're needing to be careful about, you know, what we order in, what we do, you know, because we're, we're a very small business, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, yeah, you're considering your weighing up, you're, you're looking at, you know, how much can we, let's wait and see what the Kickstarter numbers are, you know, let's, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff is, is happening. I mean, you could, you could have, time, you know? yeah, you could have a quote unquote a successful Kickstarter that could take you under. I mean, if you don't do it, if you don't mm. look at the numbers. A hundred percent, you see it happen. You you totally see it happen. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that, it's just like I say, people, people look at Kickstarter sort of like a shop mm-hmm. where you, you go on and you buy, you buy a book. But yeah. like, really, you are backing a, a book that is yet to be made, you know? Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, but but like my, my opinion is always get it out as quickly as possible, because I would rather do a I would rather work two years for nothing and then release a Kickstarter and release it the, the year after than do a Kickstarter and work for three years and then release it. I think that's just more inherently more risky the second way. Right. So um, but, uh, you know, that, that that comes off the back of taking advice from people who have done it the hard way, you know, who have learned. Um, this is kind of uncharted territory. It was not a thing five years ago. It's like it's very new. People are learning. Um, yeah. And the D&D community are pretty understanding. As long as they get a great book at the end of it, I think people are pretty happy. But at least for Ryoko's, we're like very fierce about getting this out on time um, yeah. and at a very tight schedule. So the, the alpha comes out or the beta test comes out December. We collect all the playtest feedback. We make the changes. People get it April and it goes straight to the printers. And then people are getting the even with the most biggest packages, they're getting them by next February. So, okay. um, yeah. That's, but yeah, that's, it's tough. Fucking, yeah. Dude, it's fucking awesome. You know, I, I respect the hustle, dude. I respect the hustle. How long, how long, just to get a perspective of the pre-preparation, the pre-writing, the, all, all of the stuff that went into when did the project. When, when did this, this whole, I, I, mean, I think by it, the way, like you, your reach out into, you know, into the Asian community is, is super interesting as well. Like how, like the groundwork that you put out there to make sure you had the right people you know, to be culturally sensitive to, but to also just to have to have badass artists, you know, all the different players in the game must've been a, a journey in itself. But how far back did you go? But when you, when you started this? Yes. I mean, I guess the initial, the, the initial concept started like taking shape around January, 2022, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of when I had the, the giant fighting rules, right? Like ideas for how to fight giant creatures. Like and Ryoko's took so many so many shapes before it really got going. Um, and originally I wanted to do it as kind of like a just a series of kind of giant fights, and we'd like have a redesigned Tarask, and then we'd have like a a creature of every monster type at CR thirty. So it'd be like you'd have like a CR thirty ooze, a CR thirty plant, a CR thirty fiend, you know, and and each one would have its own kind of cool mechanics, and it would be like the definitive version. Because I think when you actually look at D anD D, there's not many high CR creatures other than dragons, um, yeah. some fiends, and uh, like monstrosities. So that was kind of the concept. But w- when it really started kicking off, uh, as you pointed out, was when uh, uh, Yoshi and I, Frank, um, kind of came in. Uh, we had a consultant, Nala Wu, who kind of came in, really helped us give it shape. Um, obviously, Fandat is um, Vietnamese and uh, 
Sinlair is Indonesian, you know, people who are bringing their own visual language to the book, you know, through the art. Um, and, and, and that was, we felt that was a place that was unexplored. We want to do something different from D&D, which has done the like medieval European fantasy so many times. Um, but, uh, and also stuff that we love, right? Like content we love is, is like adjacent to that world. So um, then you go and find people like Yo Yoshino Frank worked on Pokemon and mm -hmm. uh, and like Naruto and uh, Death Note. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and these are shows that I've seen. Like it, it's actually wild that I get to, um, I, you know, I could hop on Discord right now and chat to him. It's it's it's, it's nutty. Um, yeah. So you, you find the great you find the people for the job. Right. And then they you, you give them the space to take it and, and shape it. Right. I think that I think that's the mistake some people make is they hire consultants, but then they ignore them. Or they hire consultants, and then the second they say something that sounds like more work, or they don't want to do it, they're just like, nah. Um, and it's yeah. like, what, then it's you're literally just burning money at that point. Like, why hire them? You've got to hire them and listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think it, for Ryoko's, it, it really it's a much richer, deeper book as a result. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. So it took about eighteen months before the Kickstarter mm -hmm. of prep. Damn. So eighteen months just to lead up to it. That's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, like the, the, with the amount of content, I know, I know there's still, you know, aspects of you building stuff into it, but still like the sheer volume of stuff, whether it's the cards or the books or like, you know, the artwork for, you know, DM screens, like all of it, the, the dice, the style of the dice that, you know, all of that is, it, it, we know what, what amounts of work go into creating that stuff. And it's, it's still pretty damn impressive. You must've been <laughs> full tilt for a while. And also just doing your, your, your D and D short stuff. It must've been relentless yeah. for a while for you. I, I publish a magazine every month as well, full of D and D content. Um, I think <laughs> oh, just, I th just as a little side. Yeah. yeah as on a side on Patreon. Yeah. I've got a magazine every month. Um, it's, it was definitely, to be honest, I, I think it's actually impossible. Like I, I, the channel has suffered definitely. Right. Like, yeah. I hope people haven't noticed, like, front of house, hopefully yeah. people. But, like, there's definitely I've uploaded less. I've stretched concepts further than I think, you know, like eventually something has to give. Um, and, and what I'm really passionate about, it, I like I, I'm all in on Ryoko's and I, I like Ryoko's is my was my life. I say like, I'm starting to get a bit more life back now, but like it was my life for 18 months. But actually where my heart really lies is in video creation. It is in YouTube. Yeah. So um i don't think it's possible to you can't fully send two separate projects right you have to have a an a and a b really um so yeah man it was hard it was it was it's crazy work um but i mean like it does pay off and, and it's true what they say like if you love what you do you never work a day in your life and it is it is kind of true like if if you see the biggest youtubers um like if you ever watch like a mr beast interview or something like he he never he never shuts up about YouTube. Like, like literally, it's it's all he's thinking about, like, in his off time. It's like every second of every day is devoted to YouTube for the last for the last like ten years of his life. If anyone does that with any hobby or, or any pursuit, they're going to become the king of it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think for the, for a while that was me with Ryoko's. Like every second of every day was just like, okay, what's what what do we do? Like coming up with feats. I mean, like just so much stuff is in it. Like we got like. 75 feet or something you know on top of everything else and every one of them has got to be different to every feat that's ever been made before um so yeah um <laughs> but yeah it, i mean shit like it's, it's hard work i don't know what to say but it's fun it's fun right yeah. it, and you know I, i'll take it every day over um you know like working in an office which i would hate i think
So yeah, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> they talk about it often. Dude, yeah, <laughs> for sure, dude. I, I, I feel that for sure. And you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see, you know, how, you know, how, how much effort and time you put into this as well as also, you know, just the, the results on the back end and everything. So, you know, I hope, you know, from the outside, dude, we, we just, you know, have appreciated seeing it work for someone, dude, and being so, you know, just thankful to know that, you know, there, there's people out there who also get the same grind and who are, you know, putting everything into it and, you know, bringing their passion into it as much as you are, dude, because, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't find uh, Ryoko's until like a while later. I I, I wasn't like, I, I just, honestly, I'm in such a little bubble of just like do what I need to do. And like, I don't really yeah. live outside of that bubble. And, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, absorbing, like I don't read the news. I don't do that kind of stuff because I'm just, I, I can't distract my mind from all that shit because it just gets too wild sometimes. But seeing what you create, do, like, I'm blown away. Like, I'm, I'm stunned at the level of depth that you've put into this and the, the, the energy and stuff. And, you know, as, as a fellow creator, like you said, that's one of, the, the, one of my favorite things you said is X amount of feats and you, they each have to be different from every feat that's ever been created, <laughs> as well as all the, all the feats that you're yeah. creating at this time as well, dude. Like that's that's such a real fucking thing. It's <laughs> true. You, you don't want to. You don't want to be like we like. You, you know. You know when you make a feat, you think this is really cool, and someone's like, "Oh, it's just like the the like the feet like some nothing feat you've never heard of from like a D and D book ten years ago." And it's like, yeah. "Oh, you know, like, um, it happens, man." I, I will say though that like every success um is built on you're building on the shoulders of giants, right? Ryoko's cannot happen without Matt Colville's stuff. It can't. Yeah. Because I would never even have thought that it could happen. I would never have even dared try. Um, and I'm sure he, Matt Cover will have people he thanks, you know? I've never met the guy, but like, I'm sure he'll <laughs> say the same. Like, and I'm sure he would agree that like every success, it's not... I'm, I might be the most like visual person as part of Ryoko's or like D&D Kickstarters right now, just because the channel's kind of large. But um, it's only doable because I've like, because of the entire team, it's like, it's a group thing you know it's absolutely not like the DD short show featuring loot tavern not at all yeah. it's like everybody and um and people in my personal life as well like the support from my my flatmates and stuff who have to put up with like pretty much just like a baby i was like like a baby like they were feeding me like <laughs> like cleaning cleaning my dishes and stuff like it was literally like i was a baby for a year and a half like i could not have existed they're like dragging me out for walks and um you know, making sure that I eat healthy. So I'm not just take out, take out, take out every single time. Um, you know, like it's, you can't do it without that level of support. So it, it really is. Uh, I'm just like the luckiest cog in the machine, right? Like I just kind of was yeah. here um, yeah. at the time and, and everyone else kind of like piled on and pushed you up and you're like, oh crap, thanks guys. <laughs> it uh, came out really me, well. Let me ask you a question, dude. Like in amongst all this shit, because you know, like, look, we, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. This all stems from you, you know, making videos, knowing how to make videos, thinking, you know, what could I make videos about? And you going, oh, well, I like Dungeons and Dragons, so I'll make. We're gonna ask Dragons, when so. does he get, get a chance? I to was play. about to. I was like, <laughs> yeah, do you ever fucking <laughs> play D and D at this point? Do you have Do you have a regular campaign? Are you like GMing? Are you playing in anything? Are you running yeah, a campaign? I DM three. I DM three games a week. Uh, three games a month. Sorry, Jesus, three games a week. Imagine. Yeah, three games a month for patrons, uh, and that's the main okay. way I play now. Because um, and and they're, they're, I I love that community because it the 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 downside of being a, a even even if you get past like a thousand subscribers on YouTube it loses a personal edge you cannot have a 
a personal relationship with a community of that size. It's literally impossible. Um, whereas like on Patreon, it's limited to like a very small group of people who we play with every month. Um, and that's really cool. And that's the main way I play the game. I the rest of the games I get now are more like one shots with friends or we're playtesting real code stuff. Yeah. Mm. So, so let me yeah. ask you with with the Patreon stuff. Obviously, you know, I, I imagine it's still a lot of people. How are you running a game with X amount of people, or is it just a table of like eight people, or like you know? It's, like, I I don't go above six. It's six okay. people, like it's re ideally five plus me. Um, but mm. sometimes it's six, and then and then I think they've got about like twenty people, and I mm. say, hey, we're running games this day, this day, and this day, this month. Hit yeah. me up with whatever day you can do. And then people yeah. do, and then it usually works. A lot of people will say, I can do any day. And I'll say, okay, just hold on. We'll see which day is most free. Once people yeah. have said, I can only do this Saturday. And then um, you just kind of split it up. And then we do a one shot that, that month. And then um, mm. and and then it just, it's like that every month. Just basically a series of rolling one shots where we try kooky stuff and have a good time. Just very, very relaxed, very uh, chill mm. games. Um so, yeah. so with all the work, what percentage is improv and what percentage is prep? <laughs> I would say it's it's probably like 50 50. Um, okay, I, I nice. get the maps and the the plot mapped out. Mm -hmm. And then what usually happens is in the first whoever gets the the first session of the month is kind of like they're, they're like the guinea pigs. like I, I usually will just make up a voice on the spot for a character. Yeah. I will make up jokes as we go along. And then people will interact with the world, and as it should be, players will world build as yeah. they go along. And then if they, if someone does something really cool or has a really funny interaction, I'll remember it and I'll take it for the next session, and then the session after that. You know what I mean? So it kind of builds as it goes through, um, okay, nice. even though people are running the same adventure. Um, so that's super interesting. So you do the same adventure on each three ones um, with different characters coming in. Are any of them, um, like, obviously, because the I imagine the tables are changing fairly regularly, are any of them, like, weak to, like, are, is it, like, you know, a police, is, a police department and you've got different cops on duty, you know, kind of thing, yeah, and there's, like, an totally, overarching story kind it, of going uh, on? Th there's definitely people who bring back characters from adventure to adventure, but we, we skip around in levels. I try and give people, okay. what, what I think most people enjoy about those adventures, apart from just the, the fun community aspect, because it's a good time, is you get to test builds. It's a one shot. I'll say this one's level three, this one's level eight, this one's level 13, you know, and then you can kind of, oh, I've always wanted to do a level 13, like Sorcerer Paladin, um, yeah. when you can have all the levels to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so... I think that's uh, that's essentially what we do. Some people bring back the same character, just leveled at different points. Um, other people just make a totally new character every single time. And mm -hmm. every time they're thrown in with other different characters. But sometimes people, you know, they make we've made friends with each other. Sometimes they'll coordinate the days and they'll bring a, a two-person combo that they know they're going to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's totally how it goes. It's a very like relaxed, uh, almost like a West March kind of vibe, but we do it live. Um, yeah, that's dude. That's freaking awesome, dude. I absolutely love that. And uh, it, it sounds like something that's really great. We've been working out stuff for, for our Discord server. Yeah. We, we, we wanted to do the West March thing. Yeah, basically. yeah. We looked at the West March thing and just doing community-led um, D&D stuff. Because, you know, for us, dude, you know, insight into us, you know, we were working on, you know, Kickstarters and books and all that kind of shit. But we're also, we have a video kind of sect as well. And we've been doing an actual play for a while. Um, and um, we've done a couple of other smaller little like actual play series as well. We throw this podcast in there here and there as well to, to make connections and meet people and, you know, 
you know, get people's names out there as well as also, you know, giving people a platform to talk about the shit they do. Because I don't imagine you're often talking about the, the behind the scenes of some of the stuff you do very often um, in your uh, in your shorts and stuff. So, you know, we we've kind of created this area, and you know, something we've been looking at is you know how to do a more unique like uh, actual play series and something that would be different. Whether that's you know, you know, a lot of people that could be you know, you see those. I don't know what the group's called, but they do a show with puppets where they recreate shorts with puppets using D and D. Those guys that's... are really are they like Stinky Dragon game, yeah, yeah. Yes, like that. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. really yeah. Those are really good, man. They kick ass. It, yeah, such it, a good it, idea to do it with puppets because animation right. is so annoying. It takes ages. It's really expensive. Doing it with yeah. puppets, genius. I love that. Um, they right. deserve every success. Yeah. It it just goes to show you just need one good idea. Uh, yeah. you, people would say you cannot you cannot make a let's play anymore. Critical Role have monopolized it. Like, you know, like, or Dimension 20. Why would anyone watch yours when no one's got time to watch theirs? It just takes one good idea. Puppets. Mm. That's the That mm. was the whole idea. Bam. They're, they're up there. Like, getting exactly. crazy views, probably loads of money, having a wonderful time. Um, so inspiring. So exciting. That's, exa that's exactly the thing. Like, it's finding, that, it's finding that beat. And whether it's, you know, what I would say, some sort of visual gimmick or storytelling gimmick or... You know, whatever whatever your piece is, that idea, that that nugget, you know, that's that's what you're trying to find. And I think, you know, we're 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 going through that at the moment of trying to find something that's really gonna fucking hit and something that, you know, feels you know, because also the other thing I think that is that is a problem for, for us at least and something that I experienced, I'm not sure if you've experienced this throughout your video creation career, is finding something that feels you know, like you're doing it because you love it as well as also because you're trying something that you hope will get views and things like that as well. You know, something that is, you know, not too gimmicky. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not too gimmicky, but, you know, something. Yeah. So, you know, telling a story in a lot of cases, for me, I feel like with D&D, I don't often want to record something if I don't feel like it's a story that needs to be told. Like, it, unless there feels like there's something powerful to the story and something that's, you know, going to be interesting for people to watch. It's hard for me to then sit in the seat and, you know, fully give myself to it because uh, there's, you know, there, there's a level of like, ah, oh, I'm doing this just because we had a kind of goofy idea about, oh, why don't we combine this and this and see how that turns out? Do you know what I mean? As opposed to being like, yo, I've got an amazing idea that would have awesome characters set in this beautiful place what's the weird way that we tell this story you mm -hmm. know and i think that's that's been a an interesting space for me to kind of work out as the gm and kind of running the the video side of shit um I, yeah, yeah i mean experience any of that i i think i think there is a the, the problem with content creation right is if you want to make a living you you instead of it, it starts it goes from doing something that you care about if you want to make a living, there is suddenly this imperative that people, other people need to care about what you do, yeah. which is not the point of being a creator. Like yeah. the, the creative work, the joy of it is it's good for you, um, you know, and like it doesn't matter if you enjoy playing the piano and you suck. Who cares? But yeah, if you want to exactly. make a living playing the piano, you you have to suddenly cater to what other people want. And that's true on YouTube. If you want to like talk about D&D, you have to suddenly and make a living off it. You can do it and that's great. But if you want to make a living off it, you want to make money. Um, you have to find a way to do it and convince other people to care and to listen to you. And that is, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And what I will say, I've been thinking about this a lot more recently post Ryoko's. Cause that was like my passion. Like that was the whole scheme was like, do a Kickstarter. Okay. I, a dream achieved, you know? Um, is I looking back at my channel, I think the 
pretty much to the day the channel stopped exploding and started just kind of um it still grows very nicely i'm not i'm not like you know i'm really happy with it i'm so grateful but like there is a you can see an analytical difference between when you go through a period of innovation and when you go through a period of okay this is what the videos are instantly you stop growing nearly as fast um but but the bigger you get, the more frightening it is to take a risk because suddenly you've got a lot of people counting on you. If you're hiring editors and you've got a sponsor who's given you uh, thousands of dollars to promote their like candy bar or something, and and you you know can you imagine if a sponsor came and they're like oh we'll give you two thousand dollars to eat this candy bar on screen, and you're like okay great I'm gonna put it in this video I'm trying something new and that video gets two thousand views they're gonna be pretty annoyed because yeah. they they're paying you for the exposure that you're bringing theoretically right. Yeah. um and uh so it gets harder and harder to take risks the bigger you are but i think the second you don't take a risk that's that's when you stop really growing and you're just kind of coasting from that point on um so yeah it, i i feel tremendously for creators in that spot especially people who are stuck in the middle i think that's the hardest place to be is in the middle where, you, where you're making enough to survive but you're not you, you know or you but your ambition is higher but you're you're worried that oh if I change something and it goes down even a little bit I can't afford to take the risk because then I, I don't eat for a month, right? Yeah. And that's really you know how do you take a risk in that situation? You're kind of trapped. You can't take a risk because you'll lose it. But if you don't take any risks, you're never gonna keep growing. Um, and we've we've actually seen it as well. You know where someone has they they there was a D and D channel that I think they were doing like maybe they were doing something else and they moved to food or something like that. D&D food. I don't I forget what it was, but it was like some sort of like tangential step sideways and okay. it did not work. And then you, they, they literally had like a mea culpa video of like, guys, we fucked up. Like we literally like wanted to grow, wanted to do this. We thought this would be fun, but we realized you don't want to see it. And um, we are going to go back to doing our other shit and hopefully <laughs> you'll still watch that. But like, it was like right in front, like they, they were pretty transparent about it, but it was exactly what you're talking about. They tried to tried to shake it up a little bit, didn't work, freaked out, consolidated, and who knows now? Like you know, you know, once you once you're kind of in that consolidated space, you kind of put a little bit of a glass ceiling on yourself as well. So that's tricky. It's got to be tricky. Yeah, but and and it's also a matter of like D and D is a niche game, like you with the exception of critical role and even critical role like this is going to sound crazy but like in in the general scheme of youtube critical role aren't that big they're big mm. people yeah. know who they are um they were they were very big yeah. on twitch but like compared to like an actual big youtuber they're tiny yeah. um yeah. you know and it's like uh there there is a limit because because we're kind of confined to the dnd you know square um if you're never going to step outside D, like so at some point you just got to be like look I, this is what i care about and it's it's never going to get the same views if i was this passionate if i was as passionate about D, like i would like Fortnite as i am about D, um yeah. or, or or if we all were we'd all be a hell of a lot richer like 10 times yeah. richer be <laughs> because the audience is is 100 times as strong uh, you know, I look with envy, like, like sometimes at like people who make Pokemon videos, people who make Yu-Gi-Oh videos, because I'm like, damn, can you imagine if D&D was that big? Yeah. Um, you, you'd be unstoppable, right? Like you just yeah. keep growing forever. But eventually you are going to hit a wall by yeah. limiting yourself to one game. So you just kind of have to accept that at some point, like you, you can't grow, grow forever and, and obsessing over always being bigger 
can maybe make you not appreciate that, that it's, it's incredible if a thousand people watch a video. That's a thousand human beings whose lives you're touching, who like, you know, with all the other content on the world, on the web, you know, you're, you're, you're one click away from Netflix. You're one click away from porn. And, and I'm competing with that. You know what I mean? I'm competing with that. Like, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, if anyone gives you any time at all, it's a blessing. So, you, you know, it can be easy to be like, oh, I wish I was, you know, the biggest ever. But um, okay. it, it can make you sort of forget what you have. And, and, and what we have, to have any voice at all is is kind of a, an incredible thing. Um, totally, dude. I dude, fully, fully agree with you, dude. That's, uh... Dude, you, you, you speak the why shit, good sir. You speak the why <laughs> shit. I, no, no, yeah, know, I this mean... is, it's been great talking to you, man, about all this kind of stuff. You're, you're, you're exceedingly, um, like I said, just very genuine. Very, and you're, you, you know, I appreciate uh, the way you go about thinking about shit. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome just to hang out, man, for real. Like, um, yeah, it's been lovely. Uh, dude, we, we, we actually want to just uh, quickly transition to something new. Talk about innovation. Fucking hell, here we are. <laughs> yeah. um, so innovation, we're, we're, we are trying to cultivate more of a community in our Discord server. We're, we're, we're really trying to build it into a place of uh, a safe, inclusive you know, space for TTRPG fans, creators, everyone alike you know, to come and hang out and enjoy themselves. And we put, uh, we put out earlier today um whether people wanted to uh, ask any questions to you if they had anything that they would like to ask you um, oh awesome a, yeah we had a couple people come back with some stuff um we we kind of went back and forth and and then it got lost in the chats because that's how discord goes yeah exactly um but we, we we have two really great questions here that we wanted to uh, put to you so one of them is from dmg in our discord server and uh he said what is a good way to get into professional creative writing? Um, because, you know, he's wanting to, he, he mentioned in another comment that he's wanting to, you know, start writing professionally and he wanted to know a good stepping stone of how, how to possibly do that. Um, in your opinion, he, he said also if we wanted to answer as well, but go, go give us your thoughts first and we'll... we'll, we'll... I can, I can kind of give you two, two answers. Um, this is like a very common question. I can give you two answers. One is a, a professional creative writer. And one is someone who hires professional creative writers. Now, mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll start with the second one because that's easier. Is uh, like, and this is to, to put it very bluntly, you you really need to be good. Like writing is one of those things where a bad writer just it, it can't it can't happen. Like I, I I've I've reviewed material from many like wonderful people who 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 have like degrees in writing. Who, who actually can't write, like, to put it bluntly, like, they, they, it's not good enough. Um, mm. And you need to be able to articulate the, the, in an interesting way, you, you want people to read your writing and feel something. Um, and often that's, often people's writing portfolios are stuff like that, they're, you know, like young adult fiction. I've read so much amateur young adult fiction from people who are looking for writing gigs. And it's like, if that's what you're passionate about, that's awesome, but that will never get you a job. I don't mm -hmm. think, unless it's spectacular. You're much better writing, a, if you're applying for work in like a D&D space, you're much better writing like um, two paragraphs of law for a fictional D&D race or something. Um, if that law was really good, that's the kind of thing that would get me like sitting up and be like, okay, let's give this person, let, let, you know, let's, let's hire this person. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, I, as for how to be a good writer is really um, the trick is to read more. Uh, the amount of writers I know who don't read enough uh, or what, or amateur writers who don't read enough, like 
like if it, it's kind of like trying to be a musician but never listening to music you know mm. you want to be reading at, at least three or four times as much as you're writing right like mm. if, if if you're deadly serious i want to be a writer um I, I think you need to be devoting like shit like three or four hours a day maybe to reading and reading the best stuff um there's a great book called the elements of style if you pick up the fourth edition i think it's the fourth edition yeah do you know that uh, book you know it gray yeah yeah um yeah. that's I that's have it, the, I have it on my shelf yeah it's, yeah uh, every 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 professional writer i know pretty much has a copy of that book i i had it at university um you know have that on hand and and read it back to front and and that's got some amazing passages from other works that you can read in there and just mm. when you when you can see what really good writing is um then then you can start kind of trying to work out why it, what it means to you and I think a big part of that is is if if a writer if if someone asked you okay what's the best written book you've ever read and if you can't answer like that um, like I think Norman Mailer is like a spectacular writer right mm. um, uh, or or if someone's like what's the best um, sort of love letter you've ever read and if you can't answer that question um, then you you probably aren't ready to seriously be a writer like you have to kind of know that stuff, I think anyway you have mm. to read a lot and love reading to then right um i think that's step one is, is be really good and then step two is to to start writing yourself like do it for yourself um start making projects and um and go about it any way you can to get the attention so go on like the reddit there's there's a reddit called like writing prompts or something i don't know if that's still as big as it once was but back in like a long time ago that was like the place to get discovered and mm. and just put put work anywhere and um the the way most people in the industry operate is they most people don't like taking chances on other people most people are going to really want to work with you if you're bigger than them mm. or you can offer something they can't do so it was quite easy for me to do a kickstarter because dnd shorts was a big channel so people were like wanting to work with dnd shorts mm. um yeah. whereas uh if if i was like a nobody it would be a lot harder to um you know, not, and that doesn't mean you're any better. Just because you've got an audience doesn't mean you're better than someone without one. It just means that people who take a chance on you, they're more confident. Confident they're going to get some kind of response. Yeah. So I think yeah. the trick is just to start putting it out there, and get really good. Yeah. And um, yeah, and and whatever it takes to do that, whether it means taking a course, whether it means reading more, whether it means devoting more time to it. Um, a lot of people. And, and also, this is a huge thing, like working out if you really want to be a writer. I know that sounds so, like such a stupid yeah. thing, mm. but do you want to be a writer or do, do you imagine what it would be like to be a famous author and think that would be cool? Because those are completely different questions. If you're yes. like, man, it would be cool to be Stephen King. It's like, yeah, it would be cool to be a billionaire, um, world famous author. That would be sick. I don't think anyone would disagree. But if, if instead you said, do you want to spend like seven hours a day writing? Um, a lot of people would be like, no, that sounds awful. Mm. Uh, so, so working out if you really want to do it, um, and then it is a huge part of the question. Um, but yeah, I say that's how I would approach it is get, get really good and then get the, get your voice out there any way you can. And that means writing for everything. Um, newspapers mm. like, oh, I've just gone so white, but yeah, <laughs> new, newspapers, uh, Reddit stories, making your own YouTube channel, um, writing for online article places, you know, everything like that. Yeah, it's a great shout. It's all, a great shout for all, DMG. All of that is great, great yeah. advice, and uh, and hope hope that helps them out. Uh, second <laughs> one, 
We, 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 have a, uh, we, we have a great question. Um, this one is, and uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about this in the writing and a little bit earlier. Um, what is some advice, and this is from Drake, saying, what's some advice when creating homebrew races in terms of like balancing and getting right? You know, they mentioned that subclasses are a little bit easier to balance because you can look at other examples where you have, you know, levels where they should be getting things and things like that. What's uh, what's some advice you could give for for helping someone create homebrew races? Um, there is a really good resource. I can't remember what it's called, but um, if I, I, I think I can probably find it even while we talk. Um, Go for it. Uh, there, there's like, it's called Detect Balance, uh, 5e Homebrew Race Guide. Mm. And basically you can give it's not perfect. I actually don't agree. This is the thing. You'll never find like people who agree on everything. But it's called Detect Balance, a 5e homebrew race guide. And basically what it what it does is it gives you a, a, a long list of traits um, and it assigns them a point value. Mm -hmm. And you can say, okay, look at all these these point values. And um if you add them all together, how how many points have you assigned your new race? And if it's around 27, that's perfect. Um and basically, that's what it's uh, and and like that's a really good way of balancing when you're not sure. Yeah. Um, the the best way to do it is a combination of that to make sure it's not like utterly broken. And a lot of it's just intuition. I know that's such a useless answer, right? But if if you're doing something that's truly never been done before, like the Kitsune race we made is obviously inspired by. I mean, Kitsune just means fox. But um, in Japan, it's like uh, they're associated with shape-shifting, right? So so the kitsune can shape-shift from a sort of humanoid form into a fox form. And that's never been done before. So you kind of have to approach it like, is this broken? Um, it, how exciting is this? And, and you find ways to to make it work. But but in, in terms of like just a very actionable, you know, useful information, the Detect Balance, a 5e homebrew race guide is really useful. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's... Dude, that's a super that's a super sick answer and and something part tangible, part not tangible, which I love. We love those. Yeah, that's the best I can do. I just to jump on it. Sorry, I know I'm rambling here. I, I no, will no, add that it, it is it, it's much better to make a race that's exciting and overpowered mm -hmm. than to make something boring because you can mm -hmm. make something that's overpowered less powerful when playtesting it. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people probably they imagine what it's like to write a D&D book and they think you're just writing stuff down and then shipping it. And that's not how it goes. You, you play stuff. So, so I'd say go, go crazy, go mental, like have a great time, make sure that it's fun and exciting to play. And then if it's too strong, you'll, you'll see when you're playing, you know, you've got one person playing, you're like homebrew, like, I don't know, you've got a homebrew stapler race and you know, uh, and it's like staples people to the ground. They're like, no save they're restrained. And it's like, Oh, that's way too strong. But, um, <laughs> then you just you know you just give them a save to escape the staples and like bam you know suddenly suddenly it's like working it's about as powerful as a mountain dwarf mm. or something it's like it's great so yeah be, be be down to play it play it and and just see um and uh, that will help a lot i think the the a couple of things you said there are great the intuitive balance thing is one it is i think a lot of people would be surprised at how if you if you are if you're not just thinking in your head like if, if you're not being the min-maxer in the moment in your head and you're being someone who is level going, you know, what's benefits and what's, you know, pluses and minuses to this, to whatever I'm giving you, what, 
you know, what can make this not work and what can make this work, you know, and you're thinking about it logically. I think most D&D creators will be surprised how right they will get that balance because, you know, if you play the game enough, like, it, 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 it's the same thing you said with reading. If you play the game enough, mm. you start to understand, you know, of around, you know, level five players are averagely kind of dealing this much damage. Do you know what I mean? You start exactly, to understand, yeah. like, they should be able, you know, in a, in a big boss battle, you know, we should have at least one or two of them knocked out and, you know, like, and, you know, the others scrambling to pull them out, you know what I mean? And so you can, you can kind of, if you're, if you're a GM, especially, um, you can kind of find that natural space mm. in there, I, I feel like, to, to, to give things, um, you know, a right kind of balance. And it also can be like, you know, I'm creating a legendary artifact that is a one-of-a-kind item, you know, that is, you know, this god-killer sword, you know, <laughs> if you want to. Or, you know, it could be something as mundane as like, this is a tool belt. And, you know, this is for, this gives you more item space and you can put other things in here, you know, kind of, whatever it is, you can find that balance really easily, even within like the rarity range or, you know, the, the power range that you're kind of looking for as well, which I think becomes another factor. Um, dude, I, 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 I Again, just all, all this advice is great. You're 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 awesome at what you do. You're exceedingly articulate. It's uh, it's. I don't know, man. I I definitely just a uh, an idiot who blundered their way in, uh, being loud. Just got to be. Just got to shout, and and it, it kind of works out, right? Uh, shout shout at people about D and D in videos. Um, dude, dude, it fucking worked, dude. It fucking worked. It's, 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 <laughs> dude, it sold us, dude. It sold us big time. Yeah. You 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 know, you're an animal, dude, and. More than anything, we appreciate, you know, we're, we're, we're small creators. We just appreciate you taking the time to come out of your busy day where oh, you are working absolutely. on such an incredible yeah. book to, to come in. It's, just, it's an honor to, just to be here, honestly, just to talk to, uh, to people who are, yeah, you're into it. And um, yeah, size, like, doesn't matter, right? Like, it's, uh, you know, it's about, it's about people who are good and, like, who are cool. Um, totally, yeah, totally. it's just awesome to be here, really. So, that, yeah, thanks hey. for having me on. I suppose, are we wrapping up? I, I kind of set to the cadence there. Yeah, like that was the yeah. ending cadence we're we're we're, we're, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna wrap it up here but uh, i i actually wanted to just uh hand over to you and say you know is there anything you know obviously shout out your socials of where people can find you find your content um is there anything you know that you might want to tease or anything that you might have coming up you know oh, in man. the background that you're thinking about maybe what's what's coming after ryoku's give us give us a little yeah. give us a little something tasty. A holiday. where are you going on holiday dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i am a, i'm taking january off that's going to be the first holiday i've had in years in terms of teasers Beautiful. we we've we've committed to ryoku's too but i don't whoops i don't know what direction that will take yet mm. Um, okay. that's a lot. Like I say, it takes like kind of two years just to get to the Kickstarter phase. But um, I will say that the the beta test for Ryoko's is out this December. So if you are if you want to play it like right now, um, you can still go if you go to the Kickstarter page. There's a pre order button. You just click that, and you'll get the you'll get the beta test immediately. And that's where you can play stuff. You can see all the like I'm sure many spelling errors. Um. And like you can be like, hey, this this is really cool, but I didn't understand this, and you've made a mistake on this page, and this page, you know, references this page, but it's wrong. All that stuff, um, and you can kind of influence how the book will take shape, and you can tell us exactly what it needs to be to be the best version of itself, um, and get a shout out in the actual book when it's finally released. So if you wanted to pick it up before, but you you don't like the idea of waiting, you want to get it in your you know buy it, and it's there on my computer right now to start playing. You can do that from next month. So that's probably the best way. That's, that's the thing that I'm thinking about now is getting Ryoko's ready. It's all written now. 
So it's just getting, it's, it's literally the layout process and yeah. putting it all together in the most and double checking stuff, making sure it's explained the right way. So that's probably the biggest tease I've got for the future. Cause I, I fly by the seat of my pants, man. <laughs> yeah. Real goes too. In, yeah. in 2038. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It'll be a while away, but yeah, we have committed to it. That was our like final stretch goal. $3 million stretch goal is like, yeah, we, we okay. We'll do it again. That is awesome. Um, that's yeah. awesome. But yeah. yeah, dude, that's dude, that's incredible. And thank you so much for for taking time. Shout out your shout out your socials. Where can people uh, where can people uh, yeah? If you just there? YouTube D and D shorts, you'll find me. I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm technically on Twitter, but I don't I don't use Twitter unless um like my industry is attacked by a big corporation. Otherwise, I just leave Twitter alone. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Instagram D and D shorts, uh, TikTok D and D shorts, and YouTube D and D shorts. Those are the three socials that I I do. That's um the yeah. the peak of my socialness. Uh, so any of those would be great or yeah ryoko's guide on kickstarter um that's oh, basically everything yeah go get the beta test you crazy motherfuckers because if you <laughs> don't you're you're making mistakes you're making <laughs> mistakes out here um thank you so much for joining us and thank you to everyone who watches this show we really really appreciate it as per usual if you want to join our ever-growing discord community um we're getting close to a thousand people in there now and we're super hyped to have so many uh incredible people in there engaging and you know um really we're just trying to build it so uh, a couple teasers on our end we will be hosting some workshops very soon for uh dungeon masters uh and dungeon and dragons players um i will likely be running those alongside guest gms and and people like that so if you're interested in anything like that we would love to see you there asking questions participating in the weird and wonderful stupid activities i come up with <laughs> um and uh, as well as that um just come and shoot the shit with us come join a community that's super loving super awesome super inclusive diverse um it's the space to be other than that we've been homie and the dude Father and Son, TTRPG, MMA team. We really appreciate you coming out, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Peace. Will. Bye. See you later.